Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Luna Love of the Podcast acknowledges the traditional owners of the land on which this podcast is recorded, the Araqual people of the Bunjalung Nation, and pays respects to elders past, present, and emerging. Hello and welcome to Luna Love of the Podcast. I'm your host, Jordana Levine, and today I've got an interview episode for you. I'm chatting with the beautiful Mia Madaffery from Grey Rock Consulting. And Mia's talking to us today about narcissists. Now, I don't know about you, but I have dealt with a few narcissists in my time. Um, And I don't throw that word around lightly. I know that many of us do. um, And it's become part of everyday vernacular when we're talking about high conflict personalities. But in this interview, we do talk about what makes someone a narcissist someone who has narcissistic tendencies and dealing with those high conflict personalities. This is Mia's specialty. Her business basically gives you guidance in navigating communications with controlling narcissistic or high conflict personalities. There was so much uh, beautiful advice that she offers up in this conversation that I know really, really resonated with me, um, knowing how difficult it is to deal with narcissistic personalities. So if you've ever encountered a narcissist, perhaps you're in a relationship with one now, perhaps you have an ex who's a narcissist, perhaps you share children with a narcissist, perhaps you work with a narcissist, perhaps you're friends with a narcissist. (laughs) any of those options, this interview will be very helpful for you. If you are dying for some astrology, there is no astrology in this episode. We do talk about Mia's primal triad, but if you are dying for astrology, you might like to consider becoming a Lunar Lover subscriber. There are three tiers that range from $5 to $20 a month. And for the $8 and $20 tier, uh, you do get a bonus episode. And in this week's bonus episode, we talk about the astrology of the week, um, which includes Venus moving into Aries. We also talk about 8th house Scorpio and Plutonian energy, which was a bit of a theme in natal chart readings last week. And I also talk about what it means to be born on a cusp. So if that's of interest to you and you want to become a subscriber, just click the link in the show notes of this episode. Otherwise, continue listening for free and enjoy this interview with Mia Madaffery. Welcome to Luna Lover, the podcast. I like to start off every interview asking my guest what their sun, moon, and rising sign is. 
Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. My sun and my moon are Aquarius and my rising is Taurus. I actually read Mia's chart for her not so long ago. Did you resonate with all parts of that primal triad? Every single part. It was unbelievable. Yeah. What what part of being an Aquarius really resonates for you? I think the you know, the leadership, the warrior, the free thinker, want to do things outside of the box. That is me through and through. I think what got me in the reading was the contradictions because it's so me. It was unbelievable, that reading. It's funny. Also, your sun and your moon, which are both in Aquarius, are in the 10th house, which is the house of career. Um, And what you do for work, which is what we're about to find out now, um, is very much in line with Aquarius energy too. You know, working with like-minded people, leading groups, leading the social consciousness towards a common cause. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic. All right. So Mia, can you let the listeners know um, a little bit about you, exactly what it is that you do? Yeah, it'd be my pleasure. Um, My name is Mia. I'm the founder of Grey Rock Consulting and Grey Rock Consulting was created to educate and mainly empower and set free, I'd say predominantly women um, from dealing with narcissistic and or high conflict personalities more often than not it's in the arena of divorce and separation and leaving you know an intimate partner um, because they find all of a sudden that they are dealing with really aggressive communications they don't quite know what's happening where it's all coming from or what to do about it and what they are in fact experiencing is that nothing they're doing is working Mm. Um, so it gets really self-defeating it becomes overwhelming it's every day it's on your mind all the time Um, so what I've learned so I've also been a lawyer for 16 17 odd years um, in litigation oddly enough resolving disputes as well and then I've had my own experiences with these personality types my own experiences of nothing I was doing working and then I went on a mission to understand everything I possibly could about them. And I realised there is absolutely a way to manage it. There is absolutely a way to reduce it. There is absolutely a way so that it is not owning your life and is not the main story of your life. Um, But there was no one actually helping people apply it. Mm. And that's the hardest part. So let, let's start like right from the beginning, because I think the label of narcissist gets thrown around a lot. Um, yes. What exactly is a narcissist? So uh, thank you for asking that because we're hearing it a lot now, which on the one hand is wonderful because it's bringing awareness. On the other hand, it can desensitize and people get a bit like, oh, well, everyone's a narcissist these days. <laughs> so we don't want to be in that territory and we also don't want to traumatise people any further or make them feel that they're wrong when they've probably experienced years of feeling that they're wrong. So there is narcissistic personality disorder. Now, that is a clinically diagnosable disorder and it is diagnosed by mental health professionals. And there is this um, diagnostic statistic manual and they go through that process. Now, that is a narcissist. Very rarely are they diagnosed because there's a number of elements to it that a narcissist will never admit to. Right. Um, How do you get them to have a diagnosis? How would you get them there in the first place? Well, one of the key parts is it must be causing them distress 
you know, in their lives. I haven't ever met very many that say being entitled and getting everything I want is really distressing. <laughs> I just haven't. So well, it's the truth of it, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. Yep. So you've got the diagnosis. Now, on the other hand, you have the word narcissism. That is not a diagnosis, but rather it is a description of, you know, the traits, the patterns, the personality. So what you'll see in narcissism is, you know, it's more of a description and it's really important here to call out that it's a pattern. You know, someone gets angry and responds in a bad way. Well, we've all done that and we all reflect and we apologise. You know, it is a pattern of these behaviours. So it's low or little empathy, it's entitlement, it's um, grandiosity, it is, um, you know, my way or the highway type thinking, inflexible, blaming, those sorts of patterns. And they're very much externally driven. So they derive their value not from the internal, but from the external and what people say and think about them. And more often than not, their personal connections with people is because there is a gain in it for them. So it's it's different. It's a different use of the word because it's not a diagnostic. Yeah. Can you suffer from narcissistic tendencies and not be a narcissist? Yeah, so we all have narcissistic traits in the sense that we like a compliment or we like to be acknowledged external validation feels great um so there there are healthy traits but then there is that line that you cross and when you start looking at no empathy don't care that what i've just done has severely hurt you jordana you know that is when we're getting into that narcissism territory where it's maladaptive it's not good for them and it's not good for the person they're dealing with. Riddle me this then, Mia. <laughs> How is it that, like, when we explain, when we talk about a narcissist, they don't sound like a very fun person to be around. So one would think that one would not be attracted to one in the first place, right? But there is an element in the beginning, at least, with the narcissist relationship, right? that gets you in. So what what's involved in that? And I say that from the perspective of having dated and worked for, I would say, many narcissists. I'm not using yeah. that lightly. Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, if they had a sign on their forehead when they met you that said, I'm going to destroy you emotionally, psychologically, financially, you know, and sometimes physically as well, Um, you know, and these are all the things I'm going to do to mess with you, you run for the hills, but they don't. And the word you will hear around narcissism a lot is the word covert, covert. They are covert. When you meet them, they're charming. You know, they, they often come across quite confident because they themselves believe that they are a gift to society. Um, so they come across confident, they're charming. They will say all the things that you want to hear what they are incredibly good at and it's a bit chilling when you really think about it they are very good at listening to you to find what it is that they can say to you to to hoover you in you know um oh growing up you know my dad really never said he loved me or something like that I would never do that I can't imagine being someone and not telling them every minute of the day that I love them. Yeah. And you're like, oh, 
you're a dream. You know, they are very, very good, but they're covert. They don't reveal themselves. Is it a conscious manipulation on their part? Are they consciously thinking, I'm going to use this information against this person one day? Or is it just this sort of like innate banking of data that works in their favour later? Yeah, so this is when you get into that territory of who are we dealing with? Are we dealing with a narcissist proper? Are we dealing with someone who's got narcissistic traits? Mm. Are we dealing with someone who's high conflict? You know, it's quite difficult in that scenario to say yay or nay, but there are most certainly narcissists out there who are banking that information. Oh. And they and, and they will use it against you. Absolutely, yeah. they will. You mentioned earlier this lack of empathy. I think it's a really interesting point to make. Is this lack of empathy a choice to not empathize or like not be bothered to empathize? Or is it an inability to empathize? And again, we are dealing with a spectrum. Um, I think at the far end of the spectrum, they don't have empathy. So there's a a fascinating man who did research, he's a lawyer too, actually, and he looked into sociopaths because in his career as a lawyer, he was like, who are these people that I'm coming across? We seem to be a ripe breeding ground for those types of personalities. And what he found was a sociopath, it's the development in the brain as a child. So once we get to, I think he said around the age of four, Mm. where you know that part of the brain develops you know as a baby you're in survival mode I've got to eat I've got to sleep I've got to survive when your brain starts to develop that function of empathy and um, you know the emotional brain in sociopaths that part of the brain never ever develops and from a particular trauma or there are absolutely traumas where this child sort of goes into survival mode Mm. um you know it could be a parent that only shows love or care for that child when they achieve um you know treats that child in a way where they can do no wrong you know there's a there's a whole pile of things where you run into a bit of risky territory here is you hear that and people then feel sorry for them and go oh those poor things as a child they suffered a severe trauma now i understand that But when you look at everybody, we've all had stuff happen in our lives, but we don't grow up and then use it as as a reason to abuse people and to control people and manipulate people. You know, most of us go on a journey where we go, okay, this has happened to us. I'm going to learn from it. I'm going to evolve from it. I'm going to have awareness of it. And how can I help me in my life with this? We don't go on to abuse people and then say, well, I had a traumatic childhood. So I guess the work that you do is to help people in situations where they have no choice really but to interact with a narcissist. I'm thinking the situations are like co-parenting, perhaps even like workplaces, things like that. Family relationships as well, um, where those people are in your life. Now, the ideal outcome is no contact. You never contact them or see them ever again. Not everyone can do that, whether it be work, family, a partner, and you've got children together. So, you know, what the, the most common recommendation is what they call to be a grey rock, and hence the name Grey Rock Consulting, where you are as boring as a cold rock, as a grey rock. 
<laughs> you, you know, you're just, people see grey rocks and they walk straight past them. Okay. You know, they're just so uninteresting yeah. that they lose attention. So what they do, and, and I'll put it in the context of a separation, for example. Yeah. So the ego is bruised. There's anger. There's a lot happening here. One of the worst things for these personality types, so when I listed all those traits before, at the very, very core of their entitlement and grandiosity is extreme insecurity. And all that this entitlement and this bravado is their armour so that you never, ever see and so that they never have to see their own extreme insecurity. So often when people leave, they've seen who this person is or they're seeing. Now, narcissists or narcissism, they don't like it. Exposure is their Achilles heel, mm. you know, so it actually exacerbates them. That They go up to a whole other level because you're either for them or you are against them and there's no in-between. So what, what I saw happening and what I've experienced myself is that you start to then get bombarded. Texts, emails, phone calls, WhatsApp, social media, whatever avenue they can find. And it'll be communications where you're either bullied, intimidated, they're saying a whole pile of accusations about you that you're going, I never, I never did that. I never said that. Actually, you did it, not me. And what they're doing is they're wanting a reaction out of you because it gives them that fuel. It feeds them. It mm -hmm. energises them. So it doesn't matter whether your reaction is good, bad or ugly. They've got your attention. So the key with the communications is to be as boring as a grey rock. Don't respond. So hard. <laughs> so that's the thing. It's like don't respond or be completely unemotional in your response. Yeah. That sounds so easy. Yeah, sure, no problems. But when someone is accusing you of something, uh, you know, whether it's the type of mother you are or father you are or I'm going to do this with the children or, or whatever it might be, it's really hard to go, well, I'm going to put my emotions over here and I'm just going to respond to the bits I need to. It's really, really difficult. Mm. So my passion in all of this, and I am so passionate about it because I know it works, is to help women and men because there are female narcissists out there, that is for sure. Yeah. Um, instead of it taking one, two, three, four, six years, if I can get them to that point in two months, six months, whatever time I can shave off that process makes me the happiest woman alive because it means that they're free and it means that they're getting those emails and they're laughing their heads off instead of being in tears for three days and not knowing what to do. Yeah. Um, I have a, a question for you. It's actually a question that was asked by a friend of mine who is in a separation from a narcissist and they share two children. And mm -hmm. um, she has, she, she can manage him quite well now. Her mm -hmm. fear is, how her children are going to grow up with a narcissist as a father mm -hmm. um, and how much information she gives them in order for them to handle him because they're quite young they're five and eight I think yeah so yeah. do you have any do you have any advice or recommendations for children dealing with narcissistic parents 
Yeah, this is a really tricky area. And again, because, you know, your children are your heart outside your body. You know, I can't just keep my emotions at the door in that space. Mm. You know, there's a number of elements to this. What will be really freeing and liberating is the day you accept that you cannot control what he or she says or does. You just can't. And trying to ends up in a world of pain. So you cannot control that. A couple of other things that are really important in this space is all books, all psychologists, experts in the field in this area will say, children need one stable, consistent, secure parent. Mm. One, one. So this is that child's journey for whatever reason, we don't know. And we, of course, we want to wrap them up in a cotton wool and protect them from every bad thing that could come their way, which is actually doing them a disservice in the long run. But one, that one parent, what's really important is it is not your job to lie to them, that is for sure. But they also don't need to be exposed to adult issues. They shouldn't be coming home and you're like, oh, your mum, she's the worst. What she said today, do not ever, ever do that stuff because your children will sit there and go, but that's my mum, so does that mean you think I'm bad? Mm. Don't do that to your children. Now, at that young age, you can answer things honestly in an age-appropriate way, but what is a really, really great tool to remember what they did to you, deny your emotions, deny your feelings, gaslight you, all that sort of stuff. They'll probably do that to your child as well, mm. maybe on a different scale. So what's a really great thing to do as a parent is if they come back to you and they say, well, you know, um, you know, Dad said A, B and C this weekend. You know, you can turn around and say, oh, okay. Well, how did you feel about that? Because when they're in that place, there's no space for their feelings or their emotions. So it's reminding them you have feelings. How did you feel? What do you think? If they come back and they say, dad said, you're a liar, for example. So instead of turning around and saying, well, your dad, he's this and he's that, the best thing you can do for that child is go, okay, that sounds like dad might have been angry in that moment about something. And sometimes when we're angry, we say things about people that we don't mean. Mm. You know, what do you think? You can always say, what do you think about mum? Or sometimes you can even turn around and say, well, I'll tell you who I am. And you tell me what you think. You know, I'm honest, I'm caring, I'm giving, you know, that sort of way. So you are not personally attacking their mum or their dad and you're bringing the focus back to them, their feelings and who you are. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's tricky. It's so tricky. I remember tricky. talking to my therapist, oh, it was years ago now, um, uh, and I had been dating a narcissist who had a child, not my child, their child. Um, and he was a very different man with her than he was with me. And my therapist at the time said to me, a narcissist will treat their children like an extension of them, right? Yes. So uh, quite often they will treat their children like kings and queens and princes mm -hmm. and princesses mm -hmm. because it's an extension of who they are and who yes. they are is always most important yes yes and and if you've got more than one child you will see it'll become very clear the golden child because mm -hmm. that is the child that reminds them of themselves yes and then you'll have the child that is not like them so you are navigating 
differently for both of those children. And the key in all of this as a parent is to understand that personality type because once you understand the behaviours that you're dealing with, you can navigate it for your children so much more effectively and you give them the tools because the reality is they need those tools because that is their parent. And unless they are in danger, unless something seriously bad is happening, they're more than likely spending time with that parent. Yeah. So you are going to be the safe place. And what that often means as well is that when they come back to you, you're going to get an explosion of emotions mm. and you're like, oh, you know, what is this? I'm, I'm caring, I'm kind, I'm loving you and you're just exploding on me. You have to remember that for however long they've been gone, they've been <gasps> like this because they can't express their emotions there. It's not safe to express those emotions. They're being told that they're wrong or they're not right. Or like you said, if they're in the good books and they're the golden child, they learn very quickly what they need to do to be in the good books mm -hmm. and what to stay away from. So you'll get an explosion and you just have to remind yourself this is hard, it's exhausting, but this is happening here because they feel safe with me. Yeah, yeah. It's if, hard. If someone's listening to this and they're in a relationship with someone who they suspect is a narcissist, is there hope within that relationship can a narcissist maybe go to couples therapy and have some sort of um, improvement in their behavior or be able to see themselves through the lens that others see themselves? Or is it just a no hope situation? So there's a lot out there about can you, can they be healed? Can they be fixed? Can they go to counseling and work on themselves? People get quite affronted when people say, no, they can't, because people mm. like, you can't say that about people. Now, the key about changing is you have to want to change. Yeah. A lot of them don't want to change. So there's your first sort of big hurdle. A lot of information out there will say be very, be very careful with couples counselling because they will use it to re-traumatise you, mm. to re-gaslight you, to tell you all the things you're doing wrong and to tell you all the reasons why all the problems are your fault. Now, if you've got a counsellor or a psychologist who isn't aware of narcissism and they exist, it's mind-blowing, but they exist, it will be so much worse for you mm. because they will sit there and they'll be like, well, yeah, Jordana, why aren't you doing this? And he's just wanting to hug you like, <laughs> and you're like, oh, yeah. so be very careful. Now, there is the most brilliant book in the whole wide world, Dr. Ramani is one of the world's leading psychologists on narcissism. And she's got a book called Should I Stay or Should I Go? And everyone in this situation, whether they're in it or whether they're out of it, should read it because she literally breaks down all the behaviours and you tick the ones that you're experiencing. And then she goes through every single behaviour that you're experiencing and says, this is what it looks like if you stay. And this is what it looks like if you go. So if you do decide to stay, and people do for a whole host of reasons, children, finances, fear, the list goes on, she sets it out very clearly what your life will look like and how you can manage it. So it is your choice at the end of the day, and no one can tell you what you should or shouldn't do. My instinct with everyone is to say, run, get out, leave now, abort mission. 
Yeah. But you can't. People are on that journey. Yeah. Okay. What about working for a narcissist? (laughs) Because I think um, it's a little bit different because you're not emotionally invested. Yes. But there is a level, I mean, depending on your particular situation, but finances come into it. Um, Perhaps, you know, there's a a job opportunity for you there and you want to keep exploring it, but you've got to face this person every single day. How do people navigate situations like that? Yeah, it's tricky because if it is your direct manager, for example, or your boss, they have a lot of say and impact on your career and your career path. Now, the obvious is, you know, you can always try and find another role and move away. If you are in the role and you can't do that for whatever reason, the same rules apply about not engaging, being black and white, stick to the facts. Um, you know, one of the, the biggest things, and this is in separation too, document, you know, uh, contemporaneous yes. documentation, which is objective. You know, whether you email yourself because that's time and date stamp. Today this happened, I said this, he or she said this, you know, have it all there and document the behaviours Because the day will come where you go to your HR person or whoever it might be where you're working and say, this is what I'm experiencing. And if you can't make your case, now it could be a whole other session talking about how people respond in these situations and whether you're believed or not, and it breaks my heart, but it it happens. Um, And if you're too emotional, people think it's you, which again, breaks my heart, but, you know, time. Um, If you can say, well, here it all is, on this date, I experienced this behaviour. You know, don't email yourself and be like, oh, today my boss, she was such a nightmare. She's such a cow. That will do you no favours. But very objective. This was the behaviour. This is what I said. And keep documenting. And then you can literally produce it and say, here it is. This is what I'm experiencing. What are you going to do about it? Yeah. It's also likely in scenarios like that, that you're likely not the only one suffering at the hands of this person, especially if they're they're managing a team. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's so hard though, isn't it? I I worked for a narcissistic woman, um, Mm -hmm. most definitely would have been diagnosed as a narcissist. Um, Mm -hmm. And I was young, I was in my 20s and I had this incredible job. I was so lucky to have landed the opportunity. Um, And it took me 18 months before I realized that there was no way I was ever going to win at anything. But I just, you know, I just couldn't get ahead and that it was most definitely her and not me. But Mm -hmm. it took it took a lot of courage. It was a mm-hmm. startup, so there was no HR department at the time. Yeah. And um, it took a, a lot of courage and I was very scared. But I remember the the day that I walked out, there were four or five resignations the following week. Yeah, so a lot of people are experiencing the same. You know, the problem in the workplace as well is more often than not, I bet that person's performing because because they don't care about anyone else and they care about the results. So it's tricky because the firm or the company will be like, oh, gosh, but that person's making us a lot of money. So it's really hard. I mean, she she happened to be the founder of the company, so there was no way out. Um, Here's something I would love to talk to you about. I don't know if you're open to it, but it's a common theme I've seen throughout my life, um, especially in the last few years as I've been writing books about manifestation. Mm -hmm. Narcissists make 
incredible manifestors because they believe without a shadow of a doubt that everything will work out for them. It's like this, mm-hmm. you know, lucky girl um, trend that's going around on TikTok that's like everything good happens to me, only amazing things happen to me. Yes. And there is this idea, you know, like when we have a positive mindset and we have complete faith that everything will work out for us, that it does. There is yes. an element of truth to that tends to happen for the narcissists, right? Yes. And so we look at them and they are living these amazing lives. They usually have mm-hmm. quite a bit of money. Their businesses are doing well. And it's mm-hmm. this strong belief that, of course, they will succeed at anything. Do you see something in this? Yes, I do. And I was put off by it so badly at first because I thought that's just not fair. Right. <laughs> that is not fair. But where the universe does not have their back in manifesting is the feeling part of it. Mm. Not really capable right, they're not feeling, you're right. But the intent, you mm. know, I, I think personally, correct me if I'm wrong, when your intent behind your manifesting is good for a good purpose, for a good cause, for the greater good, whatever it might be, they don't have that. No. So the universe does not have their back. And uh, someone said to me, you know, it's just it's just so unfair and they have all these things and like you said, you know, often they have a nice house or they've got money yeah. or a good job. And, and I'm like, but do you know what? Every single day what is on the inside is a big black hole. Yeah. And they have to live with that every single day. The universe does not have their back, but I can see how when you outside looking in, you're like, hold on a minute, you know, but they don't feel the joy, they don't feel love, they don't feel the pain, they don't feel any of those sorts of things that life is about. But then shouldn't we really feel sorry for them? I mean, that is very sad and and what a sad existence. And many of of these narcissists have not made it a, it wasn't a choice for them to Mm -hmm. run their lives Mm -hmm. like this. Mm -hmm. So is is there a level of empathy we can extend to them? Yeah, you can have empathy for them, but it is not your job to fix them because you will destroy yourself in the process. Mm. So not at your expense. And it brings me back to the comment I made before around, you know, we've all had things happen in our lifetime and I have not grown up and then decided that I will control and manipulate and gaslight and abuse people because of the things that have happened to me therein lies the difference yeah yeah okay so um I want to go back to somebody who perhaps is listening to this and thinking oh my god is that person in my life a narcissist Mm -hmm. what what are those telltale signs for them that maybe they could keep an eye out for yeah, so the key ones and the obvious ones are the inflexibility, the entitlement, you know, that they deserve everything. You'll find that what they initially love about you, you know, because more often than not, the people that they are in relationships with, for example, are a bright light. You know, they're smart or they're funny or they're really kind people, got a good career all these wonderful traits because a lot of people think, oh, what was wrong with me? Mm. But it's those same traits that then work against them. So you'll find they don't like it when people start going, oh, Jordana, your books are fantastic. They won't like that because they'll be like, excuse me, I'm over here. 
let's talk about me for a second right. you know so that that entitlement that grandiosity the inflexibility um you will always be blamed for everything everything and you'll find that what they do and and this is where gaslighting really comes in is if you dare say how you feel about something then they'll say well no I didn't do that or I didn't say that now sure we've all got a right to respond to someone and say but I, I, I didn't do that but where they take it up a notch and this is where the gaslighting kicks in so say you go to them and say I saw a text message on your phone from someone no, and no, you didn't. There's no text message on my phone. So you're like, what? But then they kick it up a notch and they go, do you know what? I'm getting really sick of you not trusting me. I'm getting really sick of you going through my phone and doubting me. I have done everything to make this a wonderful relationship. And you're like, oh, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> me, I'm having flashbacks. I hate this. <laughs> So, you know, I, I really do, I, I say this all the time, knowledge is power, knowledge is power. Read, understand there's so much material out there and, you know, what I, I get really focused on and careful about is I don't want to get into this negative cesspit of, oh, they're the worst and there's no way out because there really, really is. And part of this is about you, and that's not victim blaming at all. It's not your fault. But, you know, people pleasing, lack of boundaries, yeah. wanting to rescue, all those sorts of things that I did, you know, I really excelled at in my lifetime, but they didn't serve me because no one had to slip through the cracks. The door was wide open. You right. Know? This is a really important point, Mia. I'm glad you brought it up because there is an element like I said, I have dated a lot of narcissists where I had to turn around and say, okay, you are, maybe you're attracted to them, but you're also attracting them. So what are you doing? Yes. And you're right. It was broken wings. It was fixing problems. It was the charm. It was the charisma. It was me yes. wanting to be validated as well. Yes. Right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And you can also look at your childhood too. So, you know, personally, um, I've got an Italian upbringing, which traditionally is quite strict and, you know, the men come first and, and you are raised to get married and look after your husband. You know, those sorts of things all feed into it as well because you're, you're conditioned to be like, okay, well, I take a back seat and whatever you want. And, you know, so there's many layers. What I can say in doing that work and going on that journey, it's so empowering and it's so liberating because having boundaries is not a bad thing. It's not offending anyone. And if you have a boundary and someone reacts badly to that, well, there's your first big red flag to go, you're not for me, you know, and, and that's fine. Mm. Whereas a lot of us would be like, oh, gosh, I've offended them. I'm not going to do that again. No, boundaries are great. They're wonderful things. And what you'll find is then you start repelling narcissists like there's no tomorrow because what they hate is boundaries. Right. Yes, that makes sense. And then you attract them less and less. And over time, I mean, I can't tell you how wonderful it is to go on that journey and get to know yourself because yourself has been chipped away at probably to the point where you don't know who you are anymore. Yeah. And you find yourself and you realise I'm a warrior. Like I'm a strong, incredible, smart woman. I'm a great mum, you know, whatever it might be for each particular person. And you go from losing days of how do I respond to this email? I don't know what to do. 
and you go from spending every waking minute talking to your girlfriends, your family, your friends, your whoever about this person. Then they did this and then they did that and then this one, to not giving them the energy. And it is amazing. But it's a journey. And that's why I'm like, I am here to make that journey, you know, to hold your hand in that journey and empower you so that you're, you, you can get through it. And it's going to be in the time that works for you, but to get through it sooner rather than later and be free. It's yeah. amazing. It changes your life. I have quite a few listeners who are single and who are on the dating apps. How do we tell a naturally, beautifully charismatic, charming man apart from the narcissist who's trying to, I, I call it glamoring you, like a vampire glamours you in the beginning. Yeah. What are those, are there, t- are there tiny little red flags in the beginning that would be good indicators even before you're actually in relationship with them? Yes. So they sound little, but when you look back, you're like, oh gosh, now I see how it began. So, you know, one of the top ones is love bombing which is just constant, you're the best, you're amazing, I'm so lucky to have met you. And they're all beautiful things to hear. Who doesn't love hearing those Mm. things? But they're sort of a healthy, you know, you're so wonderful. Yeah, and you know me well enough. Yeah. Yes, I'm loving getting to know you as opposed to all day, every day. Um, There'll also be their response to your healthy boundaries. You know, would love to take you for dinner tomorrow night. And your response is, so sorry, I can't do tomorrow night. Could we make it Friday night? And the response is, absolutely. Um, I'll move some things around or, or whatever it might be, but it's a healthy response, not, you know, well, I can't do Friday night. Why can't you make tomorrow work? What could possibly be more important than seeing me tomorrow night? Do you not care about right. this relationship? Right. I mean, that's a red flag to me. But, yes, I could see how for some it might just be <laughs> a little and, and that's it. I wish it was as loud as that. But at the yeah. beginning, it's there. Yeah. It's just subtle. It's subtle. Yeah. You want someone who has a healthy response to your boundaries, right. not someone who starts all of a sudden checking your location on your phone and, you know, control. I like that. I like the healthy response to your boundaries. Yeah. Yes. So you've got to get very clear on who you are and what your boundaries are and what your values are. And again, you know, no is a sentence and that should be respected. Mm. If someone reacts to your no, you do have to take a step back. They might not be a narcissist, but they may be in a place that's not for you right now. And it's okay to say, this is not for me. I wish you all the best. Yeah. Anything else to keep an eye out for or any questions perhaps we could ask to test the level of narcissism in them? Well, I, I personally find that, they will at first be so focused on you because they're trying to find the cracks, the leaks, the holes. But then you'll find it then becomes all about them and their goals and their aspirations and what they want and where they're going and you better be coming along for the journey. Mm. But a huge part in all of this is your gut, your instinct your intuition, which for those people who are leaving one or have left one, that's been well and truly ignored and silenced for a long time. But for those who are dating and out there and meeting people, when something doesn't feel right in your body or you read a message or you meet someone and something in you goes, oh, oh, my gosh, do not ignore it. Do not justify it. 
Do not explain it away because something in you is telling you. Mm-mm. And don't let other people tell you to ignore it or explain yes. it away. Yes. Oh, he's had a hard childhood or, yeah. oh, you know, her mum was really hard on her or you've got your walls up because you haven't found the one yet. No. Yeah. Listen to that. Listen to that feeling because we all have them. But sometimes we want to explain them away. Right. Yeah. Don't do it. No. Um, Mia, is there anything else that you think we should touch on um, when talking about narcissists and narcissism before we wrap up this conversation? You absolutely can get through it. You absolutely can create a life where you're not thinking about them and you're not waking up, what's he going to do today? What's she going to say today? And your energy comes back to you and you are free. You absolutely can. Um, It's hard to do alone. So you've got to have your team. And I always viewed it as an investment in me. Everything that I did was an investment in me. You know, whether it was psychology, kinesiology, you know, uh, lawyers, whatever it was. I was like, this is an investment in me. And it truly is. Because there are experts out there who can bring you back to you and turn you into the fierce person that you are. And that person is just a whatever. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you. If there's um if people would like to learn more about you and what you do, what's the where's the best place for them to find you? Absolutely. So my Instagram is Greyrock Consulting, one word. Um, so you can find me on there and send me a DM, not a problem at all. Um, or you can email me at hello at greyrockconsulting.com.au. And um, I'd love to help each and every person who is navigating this situation. Thank you so much, Mia. That was such a, well, I was going to say a great discussion. It was a great discussion. It was very enlightening. Um, and it's good to hear, you know, so many of the things that you said um, resonated with me um, in terms of what I've experienced, but also what I've heard my friends experiencing with their either current or ex-narcissistic partners. And it just makes you feel like, A, you're not alone, and B, you're not going bloody crazy. Do you know what? You've hit the nail on the head. You are not alone and you're not going crazy because you really do feel that you're losing your mind. They're very effective at it. So, you know, let's get out, let's get free and live a great life. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 